Ahoy hoy. Right, I'll be taking your calls, Skype and telephone this evening on the subject of prepping. Prepping for difficult days ahead. Mentioned this yesterday. The details, how to call me, are on richieallen.co.uk. Go to comment live. It is pinned to the top of the comment live thing. It's also on Facebook as well. This should be an interesting one. Obviously, first-time callers will be given priority. We'll move it along as swiftly as we possibly can. It's Wednesday's Richie Allen Show. What else is it? Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on RichieAllen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. If you have been taking measures recently, or longer than recently, to prepare yourself for things like food, water, maybe power shortages, I'd like to hear from you today. If this is something that has only recently occurred to you and you've begun to do it, I'd also like to hear from you today. The contact details then, here they are. But as I said, you can get them on the website richieallen.co.uk and on the Facebook page as well. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Not now, you salivating dogs, you. In about 25 minutes. I jest. Of course, you're not salivating dogs. You're a lot worse than that. At the best of times. What sort of a day have you had? I've had an interesting one myself. Had to take the car for a cam belt change. Have you had periods in your life, dear listener, when you felt that you were just hemorrhaging dough, cash, money? I'm not looking for any sympathy now. I'm not whinging. But we've had a bit of that so far in 2022. It's like one bill coming out of the blue after another. But like, I'm not looking for any sympathy. It's okay. It's okay. But the car, it's having an old cam belt change today. That's being done. New washing machine needed. That's being done as well. Just one of those things. I bet you some of our friends who like a bit of astrology, they'll probably tell you that I, as I'm a Capricorn, uh, the moon is moving through my star and chatting with, I don't know, I don't know, Astra Centauri or something. And all Capricorns are hemorrhaging cash at the moment. I better not laugh. That's how you lose listeners. When you take the piss out of people. They really hold these things dear to themselves. Very serious. But uh, no, I've got some very close friends during my years in the indie media. And they are big into astrological research. On the subject of hoarding, you know that... Peter Ebden, the snooker genius, legend, has been on the programme a few times during the last couple of years. Now, I've not met Peter, but I've had quite a few conversations with him off air, and I really like him. I think he's a really generous guy, a very warm guy, and a very open guy. Chatting away with Peter this morning, and about prepping and stuff, and water and things, and he says to me, just over a text message exchange, he says... 
you, you will have to get you sorted out with a water distiller. And then he sent me a link to a a retailer of water distillers that, that Peter recommends. But amazingly enough, I went on the website and I thought, well, why not? Like, you know, you're spending money hand over fist in 2022 domestically that you can't avoid. Why not um, pump for a water distiller? Thing was, though, the website seems to be totally legit. It is, it is totally legit, but they're out of water distillers. It seems that those who sell water distillers are out of them because I looked in a couple of other places as well today and they can't keep them in stock. Has that got anything to do? Is it connected to this whole prepping thing that you and me are going to talk about shortly? Is it? I've not done any prepping, so I'm going to get that out there. Listening to some of or reading some of your messages in the last day and a half has led me to think, well, I should think very seriously about it and I should look into it and and maybe begin to keep some dried food and some rice maybe handy. I don't know. So I'm very, very serious about this. So I want to hear from you on this particular subject when I do open the Skype and the telephone. Well, keep it specific to prepping. Okay, look, you can kind of broaden it out a little bit because obviously if you're prepping, it's because you think something very bad is on the way, or at least a painful period might very well be on the way. So, you know, we can kind of segue a little into that, but I do want to keep it to the prepping if we can. Today, I decided I would kind of forego the the, the monologue, the, the usual monologue where I play a lot of audio. But, you know, I intersperse audio with commentary from from yours truly. I just can't be arsed with it today. I've been very, very busy today on the show. I've been on the website all day long, writing about various things and looking at various things. But it's it's all Ukraine. You might remember me saying to you about a year or so ago, I thought the COVID thing would drive me off the air because I became so bogged down by talking about the same subject day in, day out for well, for, you know, a year, which ran into a year and a half, and then into nearly two years. It already feels that way, you know, about Ukraine and, and Russia. And you, I'm bound to be a little, you, you are reluctant. One, one, one is reluctant to say such things for fear of being accused of being indifferent to the fact that bombs are flying around in Ukraine and they are killing people. I am not indifferent to that. I suppose desensitised to it is one thing. Being indifferent is another. I don't think they are one and the same. I, sadly, I think, have been desensitised to that type of violence over the years. And uh, that doesn't mean it doesn't affect you in other ways. And it doesn't mean you don't have empathy for the people who are having to put up with it. Because it does occur to me from time to time. I'm sure it does occur to you too. Wow, we've never really had that. Our grandparents might have had it. Great-grandparents. In Ireland, my great-great-grandparents definitely had it. But we've never had to experience that. What must it be like to be throwing stuff into a hold all or a suitcase and running for the hills from from shelling and stuff like that? But um, So I don't want you to think I'm being indifferent about it. But I'm beginning to get bogged down just watching it day in, day out 
the relentless propaganda, not just coming from the Western media, but also other media and the independent media. It's just awful, really. And you think, right, we're moving out of this COVID thing, even though we know we're not really moving out of the COVID thing. But I thought we've got a bit of respite from that for a while. And now it's non-stop Ukraine, Russia morning, noon and night. But look, it's serious as well. On the other hand, it's serious because you, I think, and I agree that it is part of a wider agenda to change civilization, to change humanity. So we'll talk about the prepping and what you are doing. And I expect it to be busy because I've seen quite a lot of posts around, even on Twitter, and I'm not really on Twitter, people saying they're looking forward to hearing this, particularly people who might be like me and who haven't really dabbled in prepping. I used to speak to survivalists. That's probably the wrong term. But when I first started doing this type of radio show, it was in Spain. And I used to be fascinated by usually American people who were hoarding things, storing things, putting things away for some event in the future that might bring huge power shortages and fuel shortages and food shortages. I used to bring them on. Me being me, I would just have a conversation with them. Afterwards, I would think, Jesus, they're a bit paranoid. Aren't they to be doing all of that? Is there any real need for it? But I also remember some years ago speaking to people in New York City and in New York State who had been told by their local authority that they were not to grow vegetables on their lawns. These were people who owned their properties. You'll, you'll remember this. Zoning laws. You know, local authorities telling people you can't grow your own food on your lawn or in your backyard. And that got me uh, thinking as well. One of the things we might talk about and think about is if things are going to be pretty bad for a while, if they are going to be doubtful in any way, maybe the lunatics behind the agendas, maybe they've prepared for that. Maybe they will make it illegal to hoard from a certain point, maybe. I'm not saying they'll come and take away your store of food and grain and rice and water, maybe. But maybe at some stage it'll be illegal to do that. I don't know. Here is a very important story. And I'm glad I noticed this this afternoon because I was so bogged down on the website, I could have easily missed it. But the US President Joe Biden signed an executive order today requiring the government to begin to study a central bank digital dollar to assess the risks and the benefits of creating a central bank digital order. And I'll read you from Reuters. I quoted them on on my own website. Reuters says Biden's order will require the Treasury Department, the Commerce Department and other key agencies to prepare reports on quote, the future of money and the role cryptocurrencies will play. It goes on to say a few more things. And then it says, one of the order's key measures directs the government to assess the technological infrastructure needed for a potential US central bank digital currency, an electronic version of dollar bills in your pocket. Now, some of you have been reading the great Jim and the great David and following the great Jordan and others, even before me. So you will know that 
men and women have been warning of this now for many, many years and the implications of it. And it's, I think it's widely believed among more learned researchers that if this particular agenda or chapter succeeds, this particular, you know, little segue of the agenda, it's more than a segue, if they manage to get rid of cash, paper money and coins, well, it's probably game over then. Is that too pessimistic? Help me out. Let me know. You don't have to ring me in a few minutes when I open the lines. You can drop me a message through richieallen.co.uk. Just use comment live. Is it game over? Is that pessimistic? If they eradicate money entirely, paper money, the tenor you have in your wallet. What, what have I got in my wallet? Right now I have a £5 note and £3 coins. If the day comes that there are no more pound coins, no more £5 notes or £20 notes, is it game over? Will that be irrecoverable? For, you know, from our point of view, let me know, richieallen.co.uk. Like I said on my own website, there are those who believe that once CBDs or CBDCs replace cash, the sound we'll hear behind us, that bang we'll hear behind us, will be the sound of the cell door slamming shut behind us. Because once that happens, maybe that's it, it's, it's game up. A rules-based digital currency where the rules are determined by the creator of the currency or the person responsible for administering the currency. You can't do this, you can't do that. You can't fly here, you shouldn't eat that. You are not a good person. You shouldn't be saying these things on Twitter. You're suspended from, you can't go into town for a period. You can't go to a, to, to a play, to a show, to, to, to a movie. So that's a, a big one, but not an unsurprising one. Biden, as in the US President Joe Biden, signing an executive order to study central bank digital dollar. What do you make of that? As I said, do let me know. A couple of other interesting stories today. Florida signed a bill. This happened late last night, UK time. It happened in the afternoon yesterday in Florida. It's passed the law which will place limits on the discussion of sexual orientation and gender in classrooms. This has been a huge row there, okay, with LGBT pressure groups saying that this is hateful, it's awful, it's terrible, it's discriminatory. Basically what the governor of Florida Ron DeSantis, who is a Republican, it seems that what this guy wants is, is he doesn't want young children to be talking about sexual orientation or gender full stop or relationships. It seems, and I'm no fan of DeSantis or any other politician in the world, so I don't know, this is my guess. It seems that this guy and others like him in the south of the country, maybe Republican as well, what they want to do is, it's not just the they don't want them talking about sexual orientation. They don't want them contemplating things like sex and relationships full stop because they're too young in kindergarten through grade three. They're too bloody young. Leave them alone. Uh, US President Joe Biden has described this as hateful. This will go on and on and on this. It's not um, going to go away because it, it, it has to, there's another hurdle for, for this to overcome before it becomes law. Isn't that right? It's an interesting one. I was musing on this today. 
You know, one of the things I've always kind of held dear is is my right to tell somebody, and I don't mean in a very gruff or a very rude way, but, you know, in a pretty plain speaking but not nasty way, you know, none of your business. I'll tell you where I see a lot of this stuff. I'll tell you where I see it coming from. So on the one hand, you have people, Christians, and and I admire them, Christians, I think they have a very good point, who, you know, who campaign strongly about this, leave children alone, stop imposing ideas of gender and sexual orientation on them, let them figure it out for themselves, absolutely. But I'll tell you, there's something else going on here, in my opinion. Again, you can let me know if I'm wrong, I often am, at richieallen.co.uk. But I want you to think of what I said there about none of your business. I think they want to create a world. Not for my generation. It's too late for us. You know, particularly people like me who, I'm an independent guy. I don't work for a company. It's just me, supported by you, right? I think they want to to introduce in the future. They want to basically abolish the notion of it's none of your business. They want to get rid of that idea. You know, the idea that someone could ask me, and I was asked over the years when I started out in radio, I was often asked by mischievous colleagues, you know, about what I thought about certain things like homosexuality and stuff. And I would always say to people, that's none of your business. And you'd get the inevitable, well, all right, you've got something to hide then, do you? Do you not like gay people? Or something ridiculous like that. Now, it was only Mickey taking. You know, colleagues trying to trip you up and stuff. Of course, I never had anything against gay men or women or or anybody else. But I've always been a contrarian. Contrary, as we say in Ireland. My thoughts on anything are my business. And that's what was kind of drummed into me by, by role models. Outside of my own family, it must be said, role models that I would have paid attention to over the years. You know, proper order. None of your business what I think about anything. Now you might say, well, it's just as easy to say, I don't have any problems with gays. But I I would argue there is something wrong with answering that question and saying, I don't think there's anything wrong with gays or I don't think there's anything wrong with trans people, or I don't mind this, or I don't mind Black Lives Matter, I I don't mind anything. I think there is. Because you're giving some power, in some way you're giving power over you, authority over you, to the person, or persons, or or body, be it your employer, be it your school, implying that they have some right to ask you. There's an implication, if you answer those questions, that they have some right to put that question to you. There's also some sort of implication, by nature of the question, by the very fact the question has been asked, there is an implication that you better have the right answer. So although I've never, in my life I couldn't have, I'm a Bolivarian socialist, or at least I used to be, I'm a live and let live guy, with with not a bigoted bone in my body. I, I'd never have anything against anybody because of who they share their lives with. I'm not answering that question. 
to some stranger or to some employer or to some teacher. It's a case of F off, it's none of your business. But I think what's going on is there's some movement against that, that fundamental right to say, my private feelings or thoughts on any subject are mine and mine alone. They're not yours. And I don't have to tell you what I think about something. If I feel like telling you how I think about something, I'll volunteer it. But I don't have to tell you. But I believe, and I know I'm going around the houses a bit explaining this, I believe this is going to come to an end. You'll have to. You'll be expected to. You'll be compelled to answer these questions in the future. And that's why they're starting with the gender stuff and the sexual orientation stuff with children from a very young age. It's planting somehow this idea that, you know, there is a right and a wrong way to think and you'll be expected to affirm where you are on a given issue on a given day. Remember a couple of years ago, a former policeman, I can't remember which police force it was, but he'd had a go at some trans woman on Twitter, the usual stuff, said you're not a woman. Okay, fair enough. And within a day or so, some of his ex-colleagues knocked on his door and, and said, and I quote, they said they were there to check his thinking. And that's where I see a lot of this stuff going with children. It's not that they just want to screw up, screw, screw with the minds of children and get children thinking about gender identities. Yes, of course, that's part of it. But it's also the creation of a kind of a ministry of truth and imposing upon people this idea that it's okay for someone to check with you how you feel or think about a given issue and that it isn't okay for you to say, feck off and mind your own business, even genially, jovially or seriously. Like, piss off, it's none of your business. I used to get it a lot when I started out in radio. You know, probably because my 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 presenter, my friend um, Billy McCarthy, because Billy was gay. But um, I would say to people, it's none of your business. None of your business. You know, you would never have asked people where I grew up, who do you vote for? Because you would have been told very, very swiftly, that's none of your effing business who I vote for. You know, what do you think of abortion? That's my business. That's what people would say. That's my business. I'll, I'll reserve those thoughts for, for me and, and for mine. But that's going to change if the architects of the Orwellian agenda unfolding in front of our eyes get our way. You will not be able to say none of your business. That will be equated with the wrong answer. Do you have any problems with gay people? 99.99999% of people on planet Earth don't have any problems with gay people. Why would they? They're our brothers and sisters, our friends and neighbours, our work colleagues. But saying that's none of your business will be perceived as saying that you do have a problem with gay people. Am I wrong to say that? RichieAllen.co.uk Comment live, top of the menu bar. Let me know your thoughts. You should tell me to mind me own fucking business. But then again, most of you, not all of you, are using pseudonyms, pseudonyms, 
so you can say whatever you want to me there. I don't mind. I've got very thick skin. So I have. Took me a while to develop it over the years, but I got there in the end. I put an article on the website today. It wasn't the best written piece, and it isn't. No fishing for compliments here. I just wrote it as I felt it. You would have seen the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, speaking via video link to the House of Commons yesterday. Nothing like that has ever happened before. It was incredibly bizarre. And he got a standing ovation. The MPs were there, many of them with headphones on, so they could hear the translator basically speaking on behalf of Zelensky. He was sitting next to a Ukrainian flag in a blue room with a blue T-shirt. All very weird. I wonder European Union imagery going on there. But anyway, so he was there, did his thing, and today... Now, this has been going on for a couple of weeks, but today the plaudits are pretty astounding coming for this guy Zelensky. Right across the broadsheet press, the tabloids, and even the talk, radio and television programmes here in the UK. The spectator called him, excuse me, I nearly burped there, been drinking lots of water. Spectator called him sensational. He was called a leader for our times. He was called Churchillian. He was called stoic, heroic, right across the media today. One commentator said that it was palpable. I don't know how it was palpable. You know, you could feel it. How could you feel it? One commentator said you could feel the envy in the room because the Tories who have designs on ousting Boris Johnson and becoming the next leader of the Tory party and therefore the next Prime Minister, were green with envy because this guy was coming across so well, this guy Zelensky. So I said today that they're basically turning the guy into a household name, into a celebrity, you know, positioning him as this heroic, very brave, dogging it out, digging himself in in Kiev with the residents, the, 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 the citizens of Kiev, how brave he is waiting for the big red army to come in. This is global stuff. It's not just the UK media. And it just occurred to me, maybe it was a bit cheap of me to say this, maybe, because I don't want anybody to be murdered or killed, regardless of who they are or what they've done. But I wonder, is he being set up for assassination, this guy Zelensky? Possibly being set up for assassination where the Russians would be blamed. So a false flag operation then. Kill Zelensky, blame it on Russia. Now that might be complete bollocks, excuse my French, why I'm saying excuse my French now. But um, it might be nonsense that it might make no sense whatsoever, right? Because maybe that would escalate things beyond where the, the puppet masters want to take things. You know, but depending on where they want to take it next, it's not beyond the bounds of possibility that this guy's popularity could be could be cultivated, there's a word, cultivated, to a point, then kill him. The outrage then from populations around the world, from governments, from, from citizens, from journalists, maybe that could, I don't know, help the puppet masters in some way take the agenda in another direction. I don't know. 
I don't know. Anywho, it's uh, 28 minutes past the hour. This is the Richie Allen Show. In about five minutes' time, I'll be taking your calls. The details are on the Facebook page for the Richie Allen Show. That's facebook.com forward slash BBG Richie. Also on my website, comment live. It's pinned to the top of that page. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. And I promise you I'm taking those calls now in five minutes. If you did call very recently, don't call today. I want to hear about prepping. Is it possible? What do you need? What should you buy? What sort of storage space do you need? Do you need a bunker? I'm not joking when I say do you need a bunker. Do you have a basement? Is it possible, if you own your own property, is it possible to dig a well, even in city centres, is it? If you, you know, like, for example, we live in Salford, right, which is a city, and we live in in, in, in an area, a a what would you call it, I suppose? A council estate is fair enough. But we have gardens back in front of the house. If you dig deep enough, will you hit water? Look, all of these questions. Will it be frowned upon eventually? Will it be stopped prepping? I want to know everything there is to know about it with you in the next few minutes. Okay, I'll tell you what. Going to take a tune now. When we come back, it's your call. 0161-818-2018. That's inside the UK, plus four four. Oh God, one six one eight one eight two zero one eight outside. But it shouldn't cost you anything because you can Skype chat with Richie. Richie is spelled R I C H I E. That's R I C H I E. This is a Wednesday's Richie Allen show with me, the BBG, live from Salford. I'll open those phones in ninety seconds. Here's Bob Seeger. The track is "Roll Me Away." It's great to be with you. Thanks for joining the program today. Thank you. Took a look down a westbound road Right away I made my choice That is uh, Bob Seeger from The Distance The album is The Distance It's uh, Roll Me Away, 27 minutes To the top of the hour Going to give you the contact details again And then it's straight to the phones Here are the details by the way It's your call Skype Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. And I'd like you to be mindful of the fact there are others trying to get through, so let's move it along without being rude to you. I'm not going to kick you off, but let's move it along as swiftly as we can. Straight to the mobile phones. Caller, good evening. Who am I speaking with? Hello, my name's Annabelle. How are you doing, Annabelle? Welcome to the programme. Where are you calling from? I'm in Colchester in Essex. You're in Colchester. Now, I'm guessing you're prepping. I, I've been prepping. I've been prepping since the start of the pandemic. Have you? Um, sorry? I said have you from the very beginning. So, so when, when this kicked off in March 2020, you began to, to, to prep. Tell us about it, Annabelle. Where, where did it begin? Um, just whenever I was buying food, I would get extra tins and rice and pasta. Then I started looking into candles and batteries. I've got a wind-up radio. I've got a book on foraging, so I've been learning about what I can eat from the garden. Um, yes, a, a friend of mine has a dehydrator. Another friend has a well. 
um, just, yeah, do you know, if we're wrong, then, you know, we've got lots of food left over. Fantastic. I, I love that. I love that. If we're wrong, we've got plenty of, of extra food. So, so these are non-perishable items or items that are going to last for a few years anyway. Uh, quite a few years, three or four years, yeah. Fantastic. And you said something else, Annabelle, that I really liked. You said a friend has got, um, did you say a dehydrator or a hydrator? You said... Um, I think it's a dehydrator. Um, you put the meat in. Right. And it just means... And uh, you... you Oh, the line has gone a little bit bad momentarily. Let's hope it clears again. This is really interesting because the part I like is this idea that if you prep, but you've got one or two friends prepping as well, you can, I suppose, take, you know, decide to store different things. I like this. And uh, what about storage space, Annabelle? How important is that and, and how much space do you have? Well, I've got a spare room, so that's that's turned into this storage room now. Um, but what I wanted to say is I am... Um, I, I was told don't tell people because if your neighbours are hungry, water, you know, you go knocking around. Ah, the line is really, really terrible. Um, that Annabelle, sorry, the line oh, is really sorry. bad. I don't know if uh, if it's where you are. It could be the location because this is interesting. You said something about neighbours there, and I couldn't quite hear it. What was it? Um, you've got to protect your your stockpiling. Right. If your neighbours are hungry, if your neighbours are hungry, they're going to knock down your door. So you've got to kind of keep it to yourself, or you know, just with people you trust. Right. So you don't go around broadcasting that you're hoarding. I shouldn't say hoarding, but that you're prepping and storing food because if things got really doubtful, you might find neighbours coming through your, your, your window. That's really interesting. Annabelle, I'm going to leave it there. Thanks for kicking it off. It's just that the line is bad. Really interesting, Annabelle, in Colchester, I think she said, in Kent. Let's go straight back to the mobile phones. All uh, right, that call has just gone. Uh, we've got Steve. Steve, how are you doing? Steve, welcome to the programme. How are you? And Steve, I'm going to give you 15 seconds to turn me down in the background so I'm not hearing myself. And then we'll get your prepping information. Annabel made a good point there, didn't she? You wouldn't want to be telling people that you're stocking up if food prices get so bad. If fuel prices get so bad, it might mean neighbours coming around. Steve, um, welcome to the programme. How are you? I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm not that far away from you, Richie, so the line should be pretty clear. Well, you're on Skype, so it's perfect. You're on Skype, you're not on a phone. Good to chat, Steve. Um, Annabelle says don't tell people you're doing it. I suppose that makes Uh, sense, doesn't it? Yeah, Yeah, that's one thing, because, I mean, a security security issue is, uh, is a concern, you know, for people who have not prepped, you know. And, uh, you know, when people are hungry and they're cold, and they're tired, they become very, very dangerous, you know. Um, and, uh, I mean, we don't know. We don't know what situation is is going to develop, really, you know. Are you saying um, kind of prepare for the worst but hope for the best? Yeah, that's what they say. That's what me, me old mum used to say, you know, expect the worst and then you're prepared, you know. But uh, uh, she was always a little bit on the pessimistic side. Uh, it's a generational old. thing. I remember my, you know, my grandparents and mums of friends. Right. So as we're getting rammed with calls, what about yourself then? What What have you been doing, and when did you begin doing it to take measures against, you know, this 
this dystopian lurch, this moving towards Orwellian nightmare that we see? What have you done yourself? Yeah, to combat the agenda. Yeah. Um, well, I'm I'm retired now. I'm ex-military. Um, the last two and a half years of my military service, but I'm going back to the the mid '80s now. Was in the special forces, which was down in Hereford, as you you may be aware of uh, the regiment, as the, we call ourselves. But um, but yeah. So I, I, I I'm not prepared domestically. You know. Um, it, would my military instincts help me survive uh, to an extreme, you know, where the food supply has been shut down, uh, your heating's been turned off? Yeah, I probably would, you know. Uh, you know, I've still got that instinct uh, instilled within me. You know, I mean, a lot of people haven't, you know, because we've lived in a society for so long now where we've been mollycoddled um, we've lived in a nanny state and been dependable on the not just the welfare system, but the government in general, you know. You know and, the supply, part- and the supply chain. You're right, mm-hmm. convenience has made us lazy and slow. Some people argue, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, for, yeah, for, very- for, for example, this morning, if I felt like I wanted a vinyl LP, Steve, or if I felt like I wanted a pair of shoes or a new T-shirt, I could order it online and have it delivered this afternoon. Mm-hmm. That, that's the world we've gotten used to. And I think oh, yeah. that, that means that maybe most people, maybe most people would be absolutely hopeless in a situation yep. where we, we didn't mm-hmm. have power, we didn't yep. have food. So you're not doing what Annabelle did. You're not dedicating a room and filling it up with rice and tin no. food, no. No, no, I'm not doing I'm, I'm probably a little bit like yourself in that department, you know, because you, you, you were saying the other last night, in fact, you, you weren't Done nothing, no. Yeah. You've done nothing. You're lazy, sod. But, you, I, you know, but I'm, think, but I'm, th- I'm, I'm not joking, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about getting some, some, uh, some rice anyway. Maybe a couple yeah. of big sacks of rice, maybe some tinned food. Mm-hmm. I am. I really am now. I'm not just saying that. And <laughs> I'll be talking to my other half about it. Bearing in yeah. mind what you've heard so far, what you've seen on, you know, TV, the way things are going, are you thinking about it now? Are you, are you saying, well, I've not done it before. I have my military instincts, which are obviously, you know, skills that you've got. But are you, are you giving any thought to putting some food away? Yeah, is yeah. There is some serious uh, thoughts going through my head. Yeah, um, but I'm monitoring monitoring the situation. You know, uh, to see how bad it gets and, and just act at the right time. You know, uh, but don't leave it too late. You know, it's it's that don't balance. leave it too late. Can I ask you before I take another call, Steve? Lovely to meet you. But I know I know you through the the website, leaving comments and stuff. So it's nice to see you, by the way. Um, and thanks for doing that for participating in in the website and I, I really I really appreciate it. Um, as somebody who with, with military experience, if if you could give one bit of advice to people l- looking down the track at what we think might be coming, what would your one little bit of advice for people practical that they could do? Um, just to keep your finger on the pulse and uh, and act when you when you think it's necessary, you know, and and, and be confident, you know, don't lose your confidence you know that you're going to be defeated um because there, there, there will be unity against this agenda you know i mean the, the sanctions against against russia uh, they know full well it's going to damage wow. the western econ- economies also 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's part and parcel of the plan, you know, to make the populations vulnerable and wanting, um, you know, dependent on the government to rescue them. And that, you know, and then, and then the people are so easily controlled in that situation, you know, when they've got that mindset, you know, and they're desperate, you know, of please help me. Um, it's uh, it's easy for the government, you know. So, yeah, you've got to prepare. You've got to monitor the situation and start getting a few extra bits, you know, tin food, dry food, um that kind of thing, you know, and um, and maybe network with people like Annabelle said. Maybe yeah, yeah, contact, yeah, contact, yeah. And, and forming small communities uh, within your own area, you know, uh, like yourself there in Salford. You know, I mean, you know your neighbours. Uh, you're quite, you're obviously a chatty kind of Irish chappy, you know. Yeah, but only uh, on either side, and maybe only one or two around the corner. It's still yeah, the case so, that the vast yeah. majority of people. Yeah. You wouldn't well, have well, a clue yeah. who they are or 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 what yeah. to do. Steve, just before um, uh, I take another call, very quickly, you said there about you know people coming together. Might there be something? Could something happen? Could they overplay their hand? These lunatics that might wake enough people up in a very short period of time. Could that possibly happen? You know. Yeah. Like, well, I've, I've said that. I, I said that two years ago, and I was very very surprised that they'd taken these. Uh, drastic measures uh, using a, a virus as a Trojan horse and rushing things through. And the more they rush, the more mistakes they make. I mean, I'm looking at that from a military point of view. I mean, I went to a military college for, from the age of 15. So psychological tactics in warfare have been used um, in this scenario. You know, I, I can see it. I can see it before my eyes. But, um, but yeah, the, you know... I, People will wake up, you know, because of the mistakes they're making, you know. But it's a it's a case of organisation, you know. Going back to the food prepping, you know, and we have to hope, and we have to hope it's not too late when when they do wake up. Steve, I'm going to go to the yeah, US and I'll take a, a, yeah, a call. Go. Good to hear from you, mate. Lovely to hear from Steve there, ex-military, uh, down south. We, we had um, a call coming in from the US there. I want to take that. Um, it's uh, the Richie Allen Show Wednesday's program coming up for a quarter to at the top of the air, quarter to six here in Salford. Uh, Donna was trying to get through, so I'm going to try and get Donna uh, on uh, the line. Let's get Donna on there. Can we get Donna on? This is where you, you, you could really do with a producer. Donna was trying to get through uh, from Anchorage, I believe. So I want to get her on and then we'll, we'll go back to the phone lines then. OK, let's see, can we do that? Uh, right, let's see, can we get Donna on? Uh, this is the Richie Allen Show, as I said. It's your call. Here are the details. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Yeah, Annabelle got me there, didn't she? Didn't she? With the, you, you can't tell your neighbours. Because I didn't consider that. Don't tell your neighbours. If you're, if you're stockpiling some important things like food... Who knows? Food, blankets, candles. I think it's Donna. Is it Donna? Welcome, Donna, if it is you. How are you? Hi, Richie. Ah, it is Donna. Uh, Welcome to the programme. And it says you're in Anchorage. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, I am in Anchorage. And um, 
I have a lot to say on this topic because I was raised by a doomsday prepper. I've been prepping my whole life. No way. You were raised yeah. by a doomsday. Do you know what? That sounds like the opening paragraph of a horror novel. I was it raised by be. a doomsday prepper. Who, who was Seriously. it? Was it mum or dad? Uh, when I grew up, I was the weird kid. Nobody wanted to hang out at our house. My bedroom was full of white buckets of food. People <laughs> thought it was very strange. And now I'm suddenly cool. Now you're cool. Now what, 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 what did they fear, your parents? Was it nuclear war? Was it something else? Well, my, I grew up in southern Oregon on a sheep farm, and there was I don't know if fear was necessarily it. Um, my parents, um, my dad came from a farming tradition and um, grew up on a farm in Rogue River, Oregon, and then started his own sheep farm in Gold Hill, which is the neighboring town in southern Oregon, and wanted to hand down uh, traditional life, life ways to the, those uh, uh, kind of uh, pre-refrigeration traditions that were real to Americans three generations ago. He wanted us to hold on to that stuff. But meanwhile, my childhood was also really influenced by events like the Ruby Ridge incident and Waco yeah. and um, my parents were surrounded by, oh, those are my kids in the background. Um, you want to say hi to Richard? Say hello. Hello, kids. <laughs> How are you doing? Um, they don't understand a word I'm saying with my thick Irish accent. You mentioned Randy. Well, you didn't mention Randy. Uh, but Randy Weaver and Ruby Ridge. I interviewed Randy many, many years ago. What a great guy he um, is. I hope he's still with us, Randy Weaver. The, what they did to him and his family and his wife, all because he wouldn't um, toe the line of the, you know horrible local authority, the police there. Our listeners should look it up, what happened at Ruby Ridge. It's a terrible thing. And you were influenced by this, were you, as a young woman? Well, sure. So, because my, my parents were very um, much the constitutional um, conservatives and, and Christian conservatives. We're a practicing Catholic family. And so we kind of really, really valued life, liberty, and independence. But what independence meant to us or that my dad was trying to convey to us as we were growing up was to absolutely not rely on everybody else for everything. And now, um, amazingly, that stuff made it through. And I live in Alaska where uh, traditional foodways, there's been continuity there, right? So like once refrigeration came along, people were no longer salting and curing pork and storing it up in non-refrigeration um, uh, ways. But right. here in Alaska, a lot of people live off the grid and it's actually pretty normal. So making sauerkraut, making beer, uh, curing and storing your fish, drying your fish, uh, canning your meat, hunting, growing a garden are all, and uh, sourdough is an Alaska tradition too, but uh, knowing how to sustain your yeast so you can grow bread is a thing that most Americans they'd be mystified by that. Yet yeast comes from a packet at the grocery store and, and Alaskans know that yeast comes from the open air, which is totally like, you know, weird science to most people. Yeah. But I'm doing those experiments on my kitchen counter all the time, you know, and it's great. I teach other people to do it. Um, I live in it. I'm, in, I'm a, definitely a townie. I live in a neighborhood here in Anchorage, but um, 
But when we moved in here four years ago, we were we were walking around our lovely, beautiful neighborhood in the Bayshore neighborhood in Anchorage. And we walked by the school one day and noticed that the that the local neighborhood school has a great big fenced garden that appeared to be completely fallow. No one was using it. So four years ago, I got involved in running the uh, Bayshore Elementary School Garden Club. And I'm kind of the garden lady now, and I've secured grants um, to fund this project and pulled a bunch of other schools into it and have been um, cultivating that tradition in my own way here in my community to keep people learning how to grow and be connected to the earth. And, And those incredible values are really important, I think, because when things get really tight, you're gonna have a neighborhood of people who know each other, who have worked together hard and you know been dirty together and reaped the reward of that investment, which is the food that you eat. And then we all learn how to make sauerkraut out of our cabbages that we grew in our garden and how to keep the moose out of it, which is a real problem around here. This is and- really, 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 <laughs> really, really interesting now. Now you're talking about two things. You're, you talk there about curing pork, salting fish, all of these things. I know uh-huh. a little bit about um, I'm not saying those things went on in Waterford in Ireland where I come from, but I know a little bit about these things. Um, these are skills and mm-hmm. th- there's no doubt there's a real you know dearth of a, a real lack of skills, no doubt about that. The other side then is actually buying stuff in and, and, and holding on to it. Now, yep. most of my friends, Donna, would be city people or live just outside the cities and they wouldn't have a clue about growing stuff. So at the moment they're thinking about buying and stocking like Annabelle at the very at the very outset. So you're doing both I, I guess. So you're, you're you're able to do all these things. You've got all these skills mm-hmm. but you're also putting stuff, you know, you're, you're getting provisions from elsewhere uh-huh. and you're storing them too. Yeah, I want to give people some tips about that that I learned by growing up and doing that as well. So first of all, Uh, don't assume that your dry goods will last forever on the shelf. Here's something that most people actually aren't really aware of or thinking about, which is that your wheat or oats or rice or whatever are grown in fields, and maybe you've got the extra dough to spring for the organic variety. Uh, That means that there's going to be less pesticides involved in the growing of those things. And therefore, it's actually possible and even pretty likely that there are are um, bugs eggs that survive and end up you know survive the process of getting uh, packaged and sold in the store and if you take your 50 pound bag of flour or uh, oat oat bran or whatever you happen to decide you need to store up and you put it in a food grade container with the lid on it two years later you'll open it up and find it full of dead bugs all over the food And so the way that you prevent that from happening, this is so crazy, but true. You put it in your bucket, you put it, you fold up a piece of newspaper and put it on top of whatever you put in your bucket, flour, whatever, doesn't matter. Put it right on the top of that and put a piece of dry ice and then seal the bucket shut. Dry ice will evaporate into CO2 and the bucket will be full of CO2 And any bugs that hatch from that point forward are going to die pretty quickly because they don't have any oxygen. And And they won't spoil the food. That's how it keeps longer. Yeah, it won't spoil the food. You're going to be really disappointed when you're super hungry and you have to eat bug-filled food in your buckets. You see, this is this is gold, this. Because I would just, mm-hmm. this I would have known none of that. And I might go out, we've got a shed 
I might go out and buy stuff. And none of that would occur to me. And then two years later, there's been a, I don't know, there's been a solar flare. We've got no electricity. We've got nothing. And I open up my tins or my cans and all I find mm-hmm. is a lot of dead bugs. And I don't know what yeah. to do. And I starve. So this is, this is really important stuff. And you've picked this up over the years from, from grandparents to parents to yourself. down to, And you're teaching mm-hmm. your children this. Yes. Yeah, we can our food. We we uh, store fish. We have a smoker. We invested some pretty big bucks in a nice smoker, but uh, this is an advantage of living in Alaska. So our family uh, goes on the subsistence uh, fishing run every year in July. And because we're a family of four, we can catch up to 55 salmon in just one day. So we usually fill our limit our household limit of 55 salmon every single year. My husband does two uh, subsistence hunts for big game a year. Um, we even know how to uh, process bear fat to make bear oil and bear tallow, um, which are excellent for cooking. Um, this is I astounding, have, this. Yeah, it, it's, it's a, it, those are all skills, just like you said. And it, pe- when people start prepping, you use your skills and you use your food on a continual kind of rotating basis. Um, another thing I wanted to mention is don't leave your stuff just in the bags. You're going to want to find hard containers of some kind because you're inevitably going to have mice or other um, stuff getting into your bags that you're not going to want. Um, in fact, that my dog ripped open a bag of flour just the other day and was like eating it. I've never <laughs> seen a dog do that before. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, um, lesson learned, you know, lesson learned, lots of, lots of salt sounds crazy, but if you can get a 20 pound or, or 50 pound bag of just non iodized salt, you cannot cure food with iodized salt. It must be non iodized salt. So make sure that it is non iodized. Um, and you can actually learn how to can, how to ferment, how to how to preserve different kinds of meat and fish techniques on a website called the National Institute for Home Food Preservation. Say that again and, now, Donna. Say it again. I'm going to write it down while you're saying it. This is this is gold. The national what? National Institute for Home Food Preservation. You'll get all of the instructions there on canning, pressures, times, recipes. You'll you'll be able to find out how to ferment, how to freeze, how to cure different different products, meats. Uh, canning techniques for green beans are not the same as the canning techniques for beets. Right. You can make yourself very very sick if you don't follow the rules. Uh, and botulism kills. So you you need to learn how to do these things and practice them and follow the recipes. That is a that is a good website where the recipes are are real solid. Oh, I'm so, going to I'm going to get on there and I'm going to endeavor to to get somebody connected with the website to come on the program in the future. So yeah. so here, here's a question then: recent events. So we look at the scam, the COVID scam, and everything that was done in the name of that scam. You know, the attack on civil liberties, it's dreadful. Now we see what they're doing in the name of Russia and Ukraine. Again, it's civil liberties, it's food prices going really high, energy prices. Here's the stupidest question I'll ask all week long. But recently, last year, the year before, 
does that make you feel well? My parents, God bless them. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hope, I hope they're still alive. My grandparents, they were right. Like this is the proof, if ever it was needed, that you were right to prepare and right to be thinking about these things. Yeah. So for a, a, for many years now, I've been involved in a herd share for for milk. I've been getting goat milk from a from a farm in the valley, uh, which is our nearby farming area outside of town in Palmer, Alaska. And, um, and, and my herd share, the, the farmer, the lady that owns the farm sent out an email at the beginning of the lockdowns. And she said, isn't everybody thankful that at least, you know, where you're getting your milk right now, Yeah, you know, so localizing your food sources is important, but it's expensive and it's difficult. It, it, if you live in town, it's even maddening sometimes because you I've been to England. I think your guys' local food networks are probably stronger than in America. In America, people are very disconnected from the sources of their food. They don't, a lot of people grow up not even really knowing where milk comes from, never having been to a dairy or, or witnessed a cow being milked. And I did all of those things growing up because I was raised in farming. So uh, it's not foreign material to me, but it is to a lot of Americans. Mm. Um, so you got to invest in that. You got to get to know those farmers You've got to um, contribute to their success so that they can contribute to your sustenance. And if your local village or town will allow you to have chickens in your backyard, urban chicken farming is great and it's super common. It's easy to do. I don't do it because my homeowners association doesn't allow poultry. But when it, when the apocalypse starts, guess who's getting chickens anyway? I'm going to do it anyway. It's funny. It's funny <laughs> you, know? you mentioned. It's funny. It's funny you mentioned homeowners associations and stuff. I do vividly remember New York State or New York City telling residents, even those who owned their homes outright, that you know they'd be heavily fined if they were to grow vegetables in their in their gardens. And this goes way back. And I remember when that happened, I reported on it. I was doing a TV thing in London, and I remember David Ike saying, "This is the beginning. They do not want people." To, to understand how to do these things for themselves. They do not want people to become self-sufficient. It sounds to me like you and your family are pretty much, I mean, I'm sure you still need the store, obviously, but 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 mm-hmm. pretty, you must be 90%, 95% self-sufficient now, are you? You must be or, or close enough to it. Well, we very much rely on our incomes, and that's that's true. Our lifestyles will change drastically when when we have to stop relying on our incomes, if that occurs. So my husband is a National Guardsman in the Air National Guard, and he's a DOD employee. And when when they pulled the get the shot or lose your job BS, um, my husband dug in and refused to do it. He followed the process and put in religious accommodations. But meanwhile, we started planning for what happens if he loses his job. And that includes basically walking away from our big house, our big, expensive, leaky, hard to, hard, hard, hard to, to heat house. Yeah. And, maybe hard to sell. You know, so we, we're going to have to change a lot of things. We've, we've done things very differently than a lot of people do. I actually kept the first house I ever bought, which I bought when I was 25, bought my own little, little duplex with a little backyard, not in a homeowners association. And we kept it and we've had it as a rental and it's damn near paid off. Fantastic. So we're really lucky. Yeah. So And you and, got that and, house and you got that house at twenty five because it was instilled in you by your parents how vital it is to, you know, to to to, to, to be as far away from the government tentacles as possible. 
to have your own place. Yeah, exactly. And that's driven our financial decisions too, where we also want to be independent from the banks. That's a goal. So we're not perfectly there yet, but my husband and I, since the day we got married, have never financed a vehicle. We buy crappy old clunker cars. We don't (laughs) care. Point A, point B, that's all it has to do. Same as me. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I've never done that either. I've never got anything on, (laughs) we say here on the never, never, you know, which means basically on higher purchase. Never. My, My car is nine years old. It's not great, but I'd rather do like you suggested rather than, you know, get something new and be paying four or five hundred pounds a month. Madness. Insane. And yet that's how so many people live. They're so wrapped up in consumerism and not in oh, yeah. not in just what they need. Like I wonder if if people could if more people could look at life like that, what do I actually need? Because you don't need a massive car. You don't need a very expensive jacket. You really don't need all of these status symbols. What do you really need? Well, what you need is family, companionship, friendship, community. That's what you need. You need that a lot. You need to invest in all of that. And then I also want to throw in last comment maybe is is about, you know, tactical defenses while knowing your neighbors. and, And that's all important. You need to know your neighbors. You need to know who you can rely on. But we also think spend a lot of time thinking about. Uh, defending ourselves and defending our resources when such time comes that that everybody's suddenly resource strapped. I did spend a period of my time uh, of my life living in Hawaii. I went to college in Hawaii for a period of time. And any anytime anything ever happened on the island of Oahu, it would turn into an island wide wide disaster very quickly. And the first thing that occurred there, there was like an earthquake one time on the big island that barely shook the windows in Oahu. But the next the day that that happened, there was an immediate run on toilet paper and water in the grocery stores. You couldn't get toilet paper or water that day because of an earthquake that happened 300 miles away. Oh no shit. And so and and then there was a there was a high winds incident that knocked down a power line on a main highway. Um, so one out, one end of the island couldn't really drive to the other end of the island for a couple of days while they cleaned up that mess. No big deal. And there no was big deal. another island-wide run on resources. Yeah. And so it was real, it, it was li- like living in a, a cage full of hungry rats. You've got to watch out because, because m- mostly those people who are making runs on those resources are actually planning to, to sell them at, at, you know, inflated prices to desperate people. Some do. This is hugely important. You see, I was just about to rudely interrupt you and say that you're saying don't underestimate the possibility, don't underestimate people's capacity to suddenly turn hysterical. And you kind of did say that. But I missed the more important point is that don't also underestimate their propensity to be be, um, predatory. And to go and try and buy this right. stuff so they can sell it back to you for 500% markup. Very good, Donna. I didn't think It always that. happened. It always happened in wow. Oahu. And there was one really crazy incident that involved damage to an overpass. So the H1 highway both ways got shut down for 24 hours. And there were people who were literally trapped on the highway for 24 hours running their AC until they ran out of gas and then walking off the highway because you would you would die of dehydration and that run on water and snacks and candy bars and stuff there were people who were likewise walking onto the highway to to scalp people to yeah. to basically uh, offer to sell them water at inflated prices for their own profit it was horrible and that kind of thing i'm sure will happen Anchorage is dependent on a single port that's beginning to 
deteriorate. And it's been a problem in Anchorage for a number of years now that politically they just can't solve because nobody can solve any political problems anymore. It's really dumb. Um, but we rely on that port. The whole state relies on that port, actually. And um, and there's not a lot of good alternatives. So the day that that port goes down is going to be one You're of those disasters where we have to wonder who, you know, how many people are going to try to break into our chest freezer or at what point is somebody going to invade our home to steal our goods? So that's keep you know, that we're in thinking mind. about that. Do, do us a favor. Um, I'm going to take another call. We, we, I kept this going because it's absolute solid gold. Every word of what you had to say. And I'm really grateful to you for giving us your time and sharing this information with us. But um, when we do, when I do move on, just type me an email address for you, will you please, so I can give you an email uh, in the next couple of days, because I'm sure we'll talk again about this particular subject, because it's hugely important. And it'll become more important, I think, as uh, the weeks oh. and months go on. Okay, uh, should I put it in the chat? Do here, put it put it in the call? chat, because yeah, it'll only, it, I, I, I will only see it, nobody else will see it, so put it in the chat. Uh, Donna, and just thanks so much for that. That was absolute gold. Thank you. Absolutely, Richie. I appreciate you too. The work that you do is fantastic. I've followed you for years, and my kids are already already can speak Irish because of you. And <laughs> I don't know <laughs> so about thank that. Thank you, but... sir. Well, thank you. God no, be with you. And, and you too, Donna. Thanks so much. How lovely, Donna, in Anchorage there, who um, grew up um, with doomsday preppers in the best possible way of saying it, given great education by her own parents and, and grandparents. There she is in Anchorage in uh, in Alaska. Right, here's the details. You'll understand why I didn't cut Donna short because she obviously knows what she's talking about. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Now, I think I wrote this down correctly, did I? The National Institute for Lone Food Preservation. Did I get that right? Donna might send me another quick message over the Skype there if I got it wrong. But she recommended that website. I'm going to go looking at that website uh, in the next day or two and I'll put something on richieallen.co.uk about it. I'll also invite somebody connected to the website to maybe come and have a chat with us on the programme. Back to the mobile phones here in the UK. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Hello? You're, you're through. Who am I speaking to? Oh, it's Bernie. Hello. How are you Richie doing, there? Bernie? It's doing? been a while. How are you doing? I'm really well, thanks. Yeah. Just up the yeah, road. Last year. That's it right. Was last year when I spoke to you, wasn't it? That's right. Absolutely. Hey, hey listen. Oh, um, okay. what, what, what do you think of what you've been hearing? Um, prepping and storing yeah. food and provisions for for pretty difficult days that might lie ahead. What do you think, Bernie? Well, I'll tell you something. I haven't smoked any pork today, just a couple of Benson and Edges, that's me. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're not going to be um, salting fish anytime soon then? No, behave yourself. But I'll tell you what though, I've been doing this for a long time, actually buying extra stuff. Um, things have got worse for people, as you know, over this COVID business. I don't know if I can say COVID, I've said it twice now, sorry. You're all right, I'm carry sorry. on. Anyway, um you know, I used to put an extra few bits and bobs in my trolley for the food bank. Now, I'm afraid I've had to stop doing that and just put extra bits in the trolley for me. Now, you know what I've noticed tonight on your show? Nobody's mentioned cash money, have they? 
Um, no, no, no. Outside no. of outside of the, the the news roundup, as it was, no, we haven't been talking about it, and that's a brilliant no, um, that's a brilliant segue because hoarding or 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 stashing food or prepping might be a more difficult thing to do in a world of digital currencies, where yeah, where you, you could know. be prevented from doing that by somebody who switches your account off. I think that's what you're well, saying. This is what I'm thinking, you know. If, yeah. if anything goes funny with the internet and all the rest of it, the likes of the supermarket, all the shop tills are going to go down, aren't they? You're going to need a few bob in your pocket. They're going yeah. to say big signs up on the door, cash only. So you're going to need a few bob put away. Now, I heard somebody say before, don't tell me neighbours. It was like, um, what's your name? Don't tell them, Pike. You know? <laughs> yeah, <that's> um, <laughs> Yeah, the point no. she was making that if you are going to prep, that telling your neighbours isn't a good idea because if things really did become difficult very suddenly, who's to say that your neighbours won't come and try and take your stuff? Well, That's the point. Well, someone would be getting over your back fence, wouldn't he? Yeah. That's what I reckon. Yeah. Because um, I, I live here in Cheshire, um, in England, and, um, you know, people are not... If anything went funny and riots happened or whatever in shops, he'd be smashing windows in the Lidl or the Asda, wouldn't he? They'd be looted. You know? Oh, you think they would loot the supermarkets, not the, not the the houses? Oh, I reckon yeah. The supermarkets would be first to go. If they would, but they in the town centres, they'd run out of rice and pasta very quickly, wouldn't they? Well, you know, but as for prepping, um, candles, stuff like that. But you know, you can get little Caligas burners, can't you? In the in the the camping shops cost you twenty quid or whatever. You could boil a pan of water on that. You could boil a pan of soup up and everything. But I think what people don't realise is fridges and freezers, cookers, everything. Everyone's on electric now. Everything will go everything down. Everything is so electric. Your food will rot. You can keep your freezer shut for the, I don't know two days, whatever, and it'll all start to melt. So if they cooked it all beforehand and then froze it. It's fine for when you get it out, isn't it? If anything happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny you mentioned the cal the, the calor <laughs> gas burners. Now, for yes. li- for listeners overseas, I don't think I need to explain this. It's just a three foot or not even three foot, two foot tall gas bottle that you used to yep. connect up to a to a gas fire that could be pushed around mobile or to a to a gas cooker. That's really. Do you know that's oh, funny you say that? Most of most of the people I know. Their houses are connected to natural gas, so they heat their homes through gas radiators. But most of them have an electric oven. I don't understand that. Well, we've got all electric. In, I live in a small bungalow here. Yeah. It's lovely. It really is. Everything's electric. So if you think about it, people, how are you going to do all your washing? You're going to have to watch. I mean, if anything terrible happens, but... You have to watch what you wear, wouldn't you? Because you can't wash and dry clothes. You can't get it dry in this weather type no. of thing, can you? Do you? So can can I ask you this? That. We've got Bernie in Cheshire on the line. Um, an old pal of ours, not so old, but a pal of ours. Bernie, is, is, any point, is any part of you thinking that even though we know the things we know, is any part mm. of you thinking that we're getting ahead of ourselves here, it's not going to be so bad that will need no. to be going to the shed for canned food. What do you think? No, no part of me thinks that. I think anything is possible this day and age. It really is. Right. Um, do you know me? Um, my career job, my work, I'm a, um, 
humanitarian aid worker. That's what I've been all my life out in Africa. So I've worked in war and famine zones. Wherever there was a war or a famine or a flood or a dictator, tyrannical fellow, whatever, people would run and migrate. And it was my job with everybody else, not just me, to set up a refugee camp and feed or bury the people, whichever comes first. So I'm used to all this business. Um, I'm, I've never been in the military, and I, I don't go foraging for ants and grubs and, you know, all that business, none of that. But I do know in times of trouble, you've just got to think on your feet. Think on your feet. So this humanitarian yeah. aid, you, you mentioned this briefly. It's been six mm-hmm. or seven months since we spoke on the programme. So you mentioned yeah. humanitarian aid. First, we, we, we could talk to you about that another day, some of the things yeah. you saw. Did you learn anything? Because when people are in sub-Saharan countries, now I've never really visited sub-Sahara, but places where they do have to deal with, with drought and very difficult conditions, do you pick anything up from those people? Are some of those people very good at dealing with very little? Can they manage My, with very little? And do I've you learn anything? I've so many life skills from people Have in you? those situations. Yeah. Honestly, um, I take nothing for granted, nothing. You know, when I first come back to England, <clears throat> I had to come back because I had two babies. I've hawked my babies. Well, they're 30-odd now. They're married women, grown-up women um, themselves, married, you know, all that. Um, I hawked those babies around different countries, you know, Uganda, Somalia. I've been to Somalia, um, lawless countries like Ethiopia and whatever. I took them kids everywhere. And when I first got back to England, um, I switched on a tap in my mum's house and I was marvelled at water coming out because we went with buckets, walked miles with buckets to get water and it was dirty. And we had to filter it through a... Well, I filtered mine through an old pair of tights. Is that right? <laughs> through had... tights? Because they have they have um, chlorine tablets now they drop into water. Well, they have them as well. Awful, awful, they awful things, things like yeah. They're, Jesus. they're horrible then, but we have to have them. And the <clears throat> chloroquine and all that, we had all that stuff. But as for today, in today's world, People have got in for a horrible shock, you know. This is this is really interesting now because because we're so comfortable and because we have so much done on our behalves. Like I mentioned Uh earlier on to Steve, didn't I? If I want something tomorrow morning really early, I mean this is no joke, right? I can go online this evening. There are five supermarkets within a five mile radius. I can go online this evening, can't I, Bernie? And I can order 60 or 70 pounds worth of food without even seeing it, without even smelling it. And it will be delivered by a lorry first thing tomorrow morning at a time of my choosing. Now, if that doesn't make me somehow lazy and pretty useless, well, nothing does. We've become so comfortable. And you're saying that if the shit does hit the fan, it's going to be, it might even be overwhelming for people. You might see mass well, yeah. suicides and stuff. People just stuff just, like just give up. Put people in hospital, you know. Yeah. It will. Stuff like that. If it happens, I mean, <clears throat> I wouldn't put it past it. How I did the African, how, how did the African men and women that you met, because I, I, I've seen a thousand video reels, Bernie, and the thing mm. I noticed when, when you see these people, they're always smiling and they always I seem know. to be hopeful. I, I I couldn't be like that. I'm a grump, and I'm not saying this for a laugh. I would probably fall to pieces if things got that bad. 
And yet you see these people, these beautiful children, these beautiful women in their in their native you know, their native clothes and the men and they're not giving up, are they? They're not giving no, up. Do you know what? They've taught me a lot to be happy yeah. with whatever you've got. Just be happy with what you've got. There's nothing everything I've got here in my home belongs to me because I bought it with cash money or whatever, you know. Bought it, it's all paid for and it's mine, right? And so I'm happy with all of this. I don't want a big holiday caravan, motorhome, fair coat, no knickers. Don't need it all. I've got everything I have here I'm happy with. And those people in Africa taught me that. And your experience, <laughs> Bernie, the experiences you've had, mm. will they be enough if, you know, the crap hits the fan? You know, will mm. they be enough to see you through it? Will you be able to kind of bunker down or hunker down and make do? Do you think you'll get through it if it gets really bad? Absolutely, yeah. And I've taught, taught my children to do the same. In fact, that's what they do. That's their jobs now. They're doing it with brains, though. See, I'm not a college kid. I never went to university. I took off at 21 years of age to Africa. I went overland. Um, me and my husband, well, it was my boyfriend then. Um, we bought an old Land Rover off a farmer in Wales. Got it done up. Um, with everything, sand tyres, all that business. Why? Why? Did... Hang on, hang on. Why did you do that? What motivated that? Um, well, I'll tell you this, and this is this is why. When I was a little kid at school, I went to a Catholic school, me, it was all nuns and everything, and um, they give me a picture of a little African, Biafran it was, it's called Biafra then, a picture of a little kid, um, and they said, bring some money into school tomorrow, and you can adopt this baby and you can give it a name. So we called her Magdalene. <laughs> Did you? And, um, right. and that was my African baby. It was great. <laughs> you know, we tell everybody, I've got a baby. Did you get one? Well, what have you got? You know, at school. <laughs> I was only about nine, whatever. Um, and it just, we'd see pictures on the telly. When I was a kid, we had our old black and white telly. Then it went to colour and it was all fantastic. And we see these kids with big swollen bellies and flies on their eyes. Hungry. And it used to upset me. I'm so, so sensitive. And um, I always, always thought about them little kids. Um, and I think that's what motivated me. We, we just had the idea, let's go. So we did an overland trek. It took us two years. Drove through the Sahara, through the Congo, uh, Central Africa Republic, all the way, all the way, Uganda, everything, all the way to Cape Town. And um, we've seen everything, we've done everything, we've been shot at. Um, honestly, it's, I'm amazed I haven't got PTSD. I might have, actually, I don't know. Have you written but a book, Bernie? Um, I started one, you know, and then I looked at it and thought, oh, well, I'll just keep a journal. In fact, we kept journals, you know, from day one, from the day we left. Um, uh, it was Chester. We left from Chester um, and we drove. Um, the, from the minute we got on the ship going across, the boat going across to uh, Calais, whatever, started the journal and it was three quarters full by the time we got to uh, Zaire and some soldiers come and said, uh, emptied Land Rover. They were looking for money or whiskey or whatever. Anything, a bribe, a bribe, yeah, yeah. We had to get out and they searched the Land Rover and everything and they, they kept the journal. Ah, right. And you didn't, so you, you didn't, memories. you obviously didn't think of doing another one. But you've got all the memories 
I mean, look, yeah, I've I've never I've never written a book, but I've looked into it. Apparently, if yeah. you can commit to fifteen hundred words or two thousand a day, and if you can do that for twenty days, well, you've got the bones of you know of your story because very few people um, I've met have had your experiences. Well, do you know when when Boris first said, "Right, everybody, stay home, lockdown, whatever," that was that. We all got um, uh, laid off from our jobs. I work for a, a very big. Um, a famous department store in the northwest. I don't like saying the name, but we all got laid off. They said there's some terrible disease coming. Um, it, it's come through the airport and everybody's, you know, ill. So you all have to go home. Little did I know it was um, it was good for them because they were going out of business anyway. So right. we all got rid of us. So I come home and I thought, yeah, a week off, brilliant. And I was out in the back garden. It was lovely, hot and sunny in the, in the little yard I've got here. And then after about a week of that, I was getting unsettled, thinking, why hasn't nobody phoned me to go back to my job, whatever? So, and then I started thinking something funny's going Something's on. Something's going not on. not right with the world here. So I kept started keeping a daily journal. I've got notebooks here as big as your head, honestly, a pile of them. And I've kept notes all the way through this uh, pandemic business. Um, if you ever do, Bernie, you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to move on and take another call on prepping, right? So I've right. got to do that. No, but hang on, hang on. If you ever do, put your experiences down. And I, I have no qualification now to tell you how to do it. I don't have any skills, but I would, I would write as, as, if I was you, I would write as I speak because you've got a fantastic turn of phrase. I would write... I would write whatever comes into your head. I would write it down I do. on paper. Yeah. It all goes down in the notebook yeah. phonetically and I scrub things out and everything. My kids will have a whale of a time. When I'm dead, they'll read this and go, be mum with a daughter. She was a nutcase, yeah. That's right. Listen, we're talking prepping. Lovely to speak to you again, Bernie. Thanks so much. Bernie in Cheshire, what a character. What a story that is. What a story that is. Bernie reckons the worst comes to the worst. I've learned enough to be able to navigate it. Is there someone listening who thinks that we're all a bit crazy here? That look, some bad things are going on. Some very bad people want to change the world utterly into a horrible nightmare, nightmarish existence for everyone. But that we're jumping the gun a bit here in terms of storing food and thinking about security. If you do think that, get in touch. Here are the details. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. You know, I never get tired of the phone ins. Now, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Some of the things I've heard uh, on the phone ins from people, the things I've learned, you know, the amazing experiences that people have had, the knowledge they've accrued over the years. It's a bloody humbling, I think. It certainly is for me. Thanks for your calls. We're going back to the UK, land, staying in the UK, landline. Uh, caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Hello, Richie, it's Ian. How are you doing, Ian? Welcome. Uh, I think we might have spoken in the past. Don't think so. First time I've ever called Is it yet. the first time? You sound kind of familiar. Well, I'm glad to be wrong, actually. Uh, so welcome. And where, whereabouts are you? I'm right down the bottom of Cornwall. Ah, you lucky duck. 
<laughs> if I could choose where to live in the UK, that's where I'd be in. I love Yeah, yeah, you were down Falmouth way, weren't you? We were, we were in Falmouth and loved every minute of it and cried all the way home, the six and a half hour journey. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's gorgeous down there. So, so it's over to you, my friend. What do you think, Ian, the, 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 the hoarding and the stashing and, and the prepping? What do you make of it? Well, I started back summer of 2020 when I started thinking, well, things didn't start to add up. Same as a lot of people. And I've just been putting a bit away, dried foods, same as same as Don. John is very switched on, isn't she? Very switched on lady. Um, yeah, I do a lot of fishing. I've got a lot of food stashed. I've got um, paraffin for tillies and candles and stuff. So I've, I just want to go slightly off off a, off a tangent on the prepping. It's uh, you can kind of prep- you can, and I'm not going to interrupt you. But just before you do, so you mentioned the fish. Do you freeze the fish, or have you learned how to salt it, like Donna was saying? Do you do that? No, no, I haven't got that far, Richie. No, I've got a freezer, but I have got a generator backup. If the because we did have a power cut in the storms the other day, and power was off for a couple of days, um, so it wasn't a problem. But um, I bet yeah, you felt so I, I bet you felt great, did you, when the power went off for a couple of days? Oh, you know, I did have a bit of a smile <laughs> when we got the chilies going, and I've got I've got love it. and stuff, so. Little bit of smugness, nothing wrong with it. Ian. Nothing <laughs> wrong with it. So, so you, so you've been doing it since twenty twenty. You, you seem to be on the ball. You've put stuff away. But you said, as far as prepping goes, you wanted to just move it a little bit to the left or the right. What, what where, where did you now, want to take? That it? was really about health, uh, both physically and mentally. Back in ooh, a couple of years ago, now just over a couple of years ago, someone put me in touch or enlightened me about Wim Hof. You come across Wim Hof? No, no. I'm writing Dutch, it down, though. Dutch, Dutch athlete. Um, many, many world records. Um, and he, he, uh, he certainly endorses health through cold therapy and breath technique. Well, I thought, well, I'd give it a go because I had high blood pressure at the time. And I challenged myself um, to do cold showers for a month because I'm the sort of person that will start something and go, oh, no, no. I've had enough of that and stop. But so I started off in the cold showers, straight out of the bed in cold showers and screamed like a girl to start with for the first <laughs> few seconds. And yeah. By the time yeah. I got a fortnight in, Richie, I was thinking, God, I'm feeling so good for doing this. And I was feeling really, really good. And to be honest, I've been doing it ever since. Elaborate now, my friend. So you feel the, the, the cold showers, you began to notice you were feeling really good. Just expand a bit on that. What do you mean? Were you, were you livelier? Were you less tired? What do you mean exactly by that? Well, lively. I'd come down, bouncing off the walls like I had a line of coat, be running around the house at six o'clock naked, doing my breakfast with music bouncing, bouncing off the walls. Loads of extra energy through the day and generally feeling very, very good. Wow. So from then I went on to swimming in the sea through the winter. So I swim all through the, uh, through the year. And quite often I'll go out and I'll stand under a hose pipe if the cold shower isn't cold enough. This is in the winter as well. I'll hang a hose pipe off the back of the van. And I feel so good for it, Richie. I'm the wrong side of 60. I'm not on any medication. And I feel great for doing it. And it puts your head in a great place too. This is prepping. This this is actually prepping of of you know by a different way, by a different name. I love this. My better half is French. Her mother is obviously French. Must say, happy seventy fifth birthday to Monique. She was seventy five on Tuesday, and uh, great looking lady, uh, very healthy. And here's the, the reason I'm bringing her up is because Caroline told me that Monique, my 
you know, would-be mother-in-law would always, towards the end of a shower, turn it freezing for a while yeah, before yeah, getting yeah. out. Yeah. Ah. Now, well, I used to think people were absolutely mad that would swim throughout <laughs> the year. I thought they were insane. But you know, yeah. Richie, I, I've got a wood burner here and I've got a pile of coal out in the shed, a pile of logs, and I haven't lit the fire yet with the winter. You're not cool. Now, hang on a second now. Stop with that nonsense. You might as well be in Spain. You might as well be in Spain where you are, Ian. I don't... I don't because I've been doing this, I've never really felt the cold much anyway, but I haven't lit the fire for the winter. Well, that's brilliant. When you're so, saving... You know, the way the heating... You know, with the, with the way the uh, expense of the heating costs are going and stuff, I'm thinking, yeah. well, that's always a bonus, isn't it? Yeah, and absolutely. I feel great, great for doing what I'm doing. I just thought I'd throw that out there. I might say mentally... For me, it gives me a hell of a buzz, and I'm no, I've not been flat or down really throughout any of it. I'd say I'm in a living a little cottage on my own. I've got no one to answer to. I've managed to carry on working through it all, so I'm I feel very blessed. I'm very fortunate to be in the position I'm in. But so, yeah. But I wanted to throw that out, Richie and um, Wim Hof. That's 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 how I got into it. That's really good now. So, so the, you mentioned two things. I don't think we expanded on the other one. So you said the cold showers, but there was something else you said, but you've not gotten into it in terms of um, well-being. Well, or maybe it's just phys- me. Physically, I, I, it's, it's supposed to um, lower blood pressure and to reduce heartbeat. Um, I haven't really checked any of that. There was a time when I was, oh, blood pressure was high and I was looking at it all the time and, oh, my blood pressure's up again. Yeah. I got to the point now, a couple of years ago, I don't even look at it. I just do what feels good. And if I, you know, if I peg it while I'm doing it, at least I'm feeling good. Absolutely right. And I don't, I don't think, oh, no, my blood pressure's gone up or I must do this or I must do that. So I just avoid doctors and the health, you know, health system if I can, because that, that was just going off at a tangent. No, no, that's, that's, that's very good. No, it's very important because it, it's, it's, it's directly connected to preparing for you know, some, 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 some difficult... I mean, look, it, it might be the case if things go south as, as bad as some think, you know, things might go south. Well, there won't be hot showers. You'll just have cold water. If you're lucky, well, you might exactly, have cold water. that's what I yeah. do now. So, yeah, I, I've already prepared myself for that. Tell and me... I'm happy to do it. Ian, how... When I put out that call a minute ago, it wasn't tongue-in-cheek. Like, I really do want to hear from people who think that we might be you know, being a little, not hysterical, but we might be being a bit too, uh, you know, emotional about this, that maybe things won't become as bad. How do, how do you see it? Do you think if, if it's unchecked, if it isn't stopped, do you see it becoming necessary? Like, will, will those who put their food away, their dried food, you know, if they learn to do things like Donna was suggesting, will those people be proven right someday? Possibly, Richie, I don't know. But I think it was your first caller, Annabelle, she said, well, you know, if it all, if nothing happens, then we've got the food anyway, haven't we? Exactly right. And, 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 we, and you know, and the way the prices are going, we we saved a few quid as well. Yeah. So um, who knows, Richie? There's such uncertain times. We've not experienced anything like this before in our lifetimes, have we? So no. And I haven't asked anybody yet, and I suppose I can probably guess the answer with yourself. But um, you know, I, I wanted to ask people: Have they come in for any ridicule or? you know, nudges and winks and smiles from people who think they're crazy, you know, because Donna talked about Doomsday Preppers and I spoke to Doomsday Preppers many, many years ago on my first radio shows and I really liked speaking to them. I found them very engaging, but I used to think, Jesus, they're a bit mad, you know. 
None of, none of this. I, I, yeah, I used to think exactly the same yeah. as like people swimming in the sea, and, and, and I thought they were mad too, but you get to a point or the light goes on and go, you know, you start putting two and two together and thinking, well, actually, maybe there is something in yeah. there. So, um, so yeah, the other thing I just quickly mentioned, because I know you've got other calls. Do, go ahead, Ian, yeah. Um, my mum, three and a half years ago, she was taken into a nursing home. So with everything that was going on, it was it was difficult to see her. And um, I used to see her from the doorway because I wouldn't take a test. I, my mum had spells of dementia. She had periods of clarity, and other times she was confused. But she had no mobility at all, and she was she was in the bed for three and a half years, just able to move her right arm. That's the only movement she had. Um, but she, even with the nurses coming into her, giving her 24-hour care, she knew, although she was slightly worried about the virus, she knew it was all about governmental control. Did she? Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I told her what I thought, and she totally agreed with me. But um, no, so, like a lot of people, I couldn't go into the room until, well, she passed last September. Um, and I went in just before she went. Um, but the funny thing is, Richie, did manager at the time was on the same page as me which was a pretty tricky situation for her to be in wasn't it? Absolutely so the manager she, knew something was very wrong she, Yeah she thought same thing the reset and yeah yeah so um, she couldn't break the rules and stuff but um, when it got to the final bit she said look will you take you, will you, you know they wanted me to go through all the palaver of, of testing and then driving up there and being tested again this, this is an hour and a half drive to where she was and then come back and test again and self-isolate and then oh it was just ridiculous and I wouldn't do any of it and I wouldn't take the tests and I explained this to my mum and, and she was she was a homeopathic lady very spiritual lady um so I've never had any uh, any problem with with not going in but uh, funny thing was that on the last moment just before my mum was about to go I went in there and this, she was in a room on her own and it was isolated, so I didn't have to go through the, the, the nursing home. I could go straight into a doorway, which led straight to a room. And the funny thing was, as I was saying, said goodbye, and I was walking out the door, and the nurse came in, oh, put your mask on, put your mask on. I mean, my mum is just about to... <laughs> it just seems absolute madness when you, when you see the conditioning some people have got. The common sense and logic just seems to have gone completely out the window, Richie, doesn't it? You're very um, generous there to say that about the nurse, you know, because other people might have lost their temper and might hold a grudge, but, but you no, can I see that. No, I didn't say anything yeah. to her. I said, I'm, I'm going, I mean, I felt like saying something to her, but because um, I was on first name terms with all of them up yeah. there and they were very, very good. But, you know, you could... You can I ask him, I, I, I swear I do not want to, to, to make you upset, but how important was it, looking back, and for you spiritually and for your own well-being, how important was it for you to be there with her as, um, as, she, as, as, as she died, as she slipped away? It was very important because a lot of the time I couldn't because we, we, you know, when I was seeing her before she went, I would be shouting to her. And the funny thing, I'd be taking stuff up and I wouldn't be able to hand it to her because I couldn't come into the room and I'd take a bag of goodies up for her and one of the carers would take it and then hand it straight to her. Right. I mean, you know, where's the logic in madness, that? Madness, yeah. It's madness, isn't it? And, they, no, and they, they, they just thought, Ian, they thought that the bubonic plague was rampaging around Britain, didn't they? 
Yeah. Well, a lot of them did. I mean, I remember meeting them early on. I remember telling a story. It was true at, at um, Sifter's Records in Burnage in Manchester, where a guy started swearing and screaming at me because I didn't have a mask on in the, in the shop. Absolute bug-eyed. And, you know, I, I didn't lose my temper. I mean, I told him to behave himself, but I didn't escalate it. Because it occurred to me that the guy was in some sort of mania state. Yeah, yeah. He believed it. That I could yep. kill him by breathing on him. And um, I think that's so many of them must have believed it. Because I, I like to think that most people who work in, in nursing homes, I, 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 and, I, and I think this is true, they're decent, compassionate people. They were lovely people, Richie, all of them. Yeah. They were all brilliant. But they had, you know, they had their, their job to do and yeah. their rules to follow. And, and because of the threat yeah. of the virus, it basically interfered with their ability to be logical. You know, yeah. the, the logic went out the window. I mean, they should have, you know, like the manageress who knew that something wasn't right. Like, the staff should be like, well, this is just ridiculous. Like, But ultimately, you were with her when, when it mattered. And uh, what a lady she must have been into homeopathy and stuff. So she knew plenty. Well, she, she wouldn't take any, any vaccine. And um, she was, at, you know, obviously, I haven't. Um, and she wouldn't either. She was no way. They, she told them where to stick the vaccine. Did she now? And it <laughs> yes, was how, how much pressure was brought to bear, or did they just know better and leave her alone? No, they knew better. They didn't push it, and they didn't push. They didn't push me. I mean, because like I said, I was. I yeah. was um, what was your mother's name, Ian? Enid. Enid. God mm. bless her. God bless Enid. Yeah, yeah wow. she, she was. She helped an awful lot of people spiritually. She was. She was a healer and. She had cards from all around the world from people that she'd helped through distant healing and stuff. So, do you feel yeah. her? Do you feel her presence around? No, I haven't. I no. haven't. I did have something strange happen in the house the other day, and I thought, well, I don't know. But uh, uh, Richie, I'm going to get off the phone because you've got loads of other people. That Lovely speaking get with through, you. But I just wanted to um, mention the Wim Hof thing and, and yeah. how I, how it affects me anyway, and I feel great for doing it. So, well, you're a fantastic yeah, advert maybe, for us. I'm not going to pretend now that tomorrow morning I'm going to have a cold chair after my run. <laughs> after my run, because I'm going to be... When I come back from my run, you know what You know what it's like when you run, I'm sweating and really, really hot, but... Uh, do you know what? I'm not going to be a baby. I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm not going to be a baby. <laughs> well, the thing to do, Richie, is to start off with just for a few seconds. Just for a few seconds, yeah. Build up, but, uh... Imagine you see on Facebook tomorrow, um, that the BBG is dead. Apparently he came back. <laughs> Apparently he was stupid enough to jump into a freezing cold shower. It's all Ian's fault down there in Cornwall. Oh, yeah, thanks yeah, for yeah, sharing the, your information and thanks for telling us about your mum, Enid. God rest her. Thanks, Ian. Lovely Rich, to meet Richie, you. Thank you so much for you do, so much for what you do. It's so much appreciated. Not at all, mate. The pleasure is mine. Thanks so much. Ian in Cornwall. How lovely. A lovely story there. Uh, it's uh, exactly 18, it's 19 minutes even and a half to the top of the hour. It's Wednesday's Richie Allen Show. It's the phone in. I am going to get through a couple of more calls. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. We've had some fantastic calls, every single one of them. Annabelle was great, even though the line wasn't fantastic. We've had some amazing calls uh, this evening. Thanks for them. Prepping. Are you buying provisions? Long-lasting provisions with longevity, food that doesn't perish. By the way, if you've come in late on this, and you are, skip back later on. Skip back later on 
on the programme, get the podcast and listen to Donna in Anchorage because Donna is on the ball. And she had some very good tips for, you know, canning food and storing it in boxes and avoiding it going bad because of bugs and other things. So you need to, to think about that. Uh, really, really good stuff. Live from Salford, me, the BBG, with you Monday to Thursday between uh, 5 and 7, that's UK time, back to the mobile phones, this time in the UK. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Hello, Richie. It's, My- it's Miles from Cornwall. Hello, Miles in Cornwall. Have we ever spoken before? We haven't, no. We haven't. No. First time caller. Lovely to meet you, Miles. We're back down in Cornwall, in lovely Cornwall. So you know how it works, my friend. It's over to you. Are you doing the prepping or is it all a load of old cobblers? Oh, um, well, because I haven't got the internet, I didn't know that was going to be the only subject. Well, we, we, what did you want to talk about? Go on, we'll, well, we'll, I, we'll put it to a vote. Quick, quick thing about um, Ukraine. Go on, go ahead. Of course, well, Miles. I'm, I was taking the piss. Go right ahead. Sure. How, how, well, do, how, how do you see it? What's happening well, in Ukraine? The, the headline should be neocon NATO uses Ukraine as bear bait. <laughs> to, me, to me, I like it. I like it. So l- um, l- let, let me let, let me ask you. Let, let me grill you then. Is Vladimir Putin acting of his own volition? Is this a response to NATO encroachment on Russia? Or is this one big mind-bending theatre, theatrical production, which which, which isn't real? Go ahead. It can be a bit of both, can't it? Yeah. Um, I was interested when you were talking to Paul Craig Roberts about um, when he went to Davos and how they get seduced you know, because they are their own little world, aren't they? These power players. Do you know what I mean? They're in yeah. their own culture. It's like I'm in war and peace. Like um, all of the um, Russian aristocracy are really Frenchified. You know, they don't speak Russian. Yeah. You know, so, you know. Is, but, is um, Miles, is, is, some... is, just before you say what else you sure. want, to say, yeah. I'll give you the time. Of course I would. Sure. So, so is it possible that... It might feel very real to these people, even if it is one big theatrical production to make people look a certain way or to make people behave a certain way. In fact, you know, it could only work if the players themselves believed it to be real. Is that what you were touching on? Like for Putin, it might feel very real. um, The real conspiracy, like, you know, um, what's he called? Um, Oh, that guy, the CIA cocaine pilot um he, he had um george hw bush's number in his top pocket <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bar- barry seal barry you know, that's it, right played by tom cruise yeah. in the movie well well done it's, barry very, seal. it's very closely kept these secrets to the very few at the very top so not a lot of people know know stuff around them i don't think but um there's one thing you know christopher berlin yes yes former guest him. yes absolutely he, he, he he traced the nanothermite to Demona, according to him, right? To who? And uh, to Demona in Israel. All right, okay. This is the the thing that allegedly weakened the steel, the nanothermite, to cause the well, collapse of the well, towers. You see, you see, if the nanothermite was the bread in a nuclear sandwich. And that was sprayed on the underside of all the floors. I used to work in construction, and I did a, a, some explosives training. Wow! Then that would explain everything that you saw that happened that would day. It? Because 
nanothermite was 30,000 times smaller than normal thermite. That means its energy is released 30,000 times quicker, so it could kick, it could split atoms if, if there was a nuclear filling to that nuclear sandwich. You, would, you still, the, would you still need a fuse, though? So if you coated or if you attached nanothermite to the steel structure, would you still have needed some sort of fuse or a button? You'd need to, you'd need to kick it off, but yeah. you'd kind of create a shockwave envelope throughout across the whole floors because 150 acres of floors was um, turned into smoke. It was the, the dust was the size of talcum powder, and that was never explained. I did the maths. Before I ever came out on, you know, nine yeah. eleven. Yeah, the concrete, the that. concrete turned into basically powder, didn't it? Fine yeah. powder. And, and no one, you know, you've got Gordon Duff with his nano nukes and Judy Wood with her um, directed energy weapons, and no one went for this kind of obvious possibility yeah. that um, the nano thermite was there to trigger to split the atoms because you wouldn't need a chain reaction. Every, you could have individual nuclear atoms been split within that um, shockwave envelope across all the floors and everything you see can be explained by that and there was the sound of like surf wasn't there that day yeah that's right there was yeah and a surf is is like millions because it is white because it's hugely um, energetic but tiny tiny explosions basically so you would get a similar sound to it that, that might have explained surf- those little puffs when you look at the videos of the Towers collapsing, uh, so th- um, so well, the collapse. Those, would, those yeah. puffs would be conventional explosives. They would have combined it with because they used conventional explosives to cut the steel. Yeah, and to blow the steel. The, Which the, is what the yeah. architects and engineers for nine eleven truce believe. They believe that they did use yeah. conventional but, demolition but explosives. They never, went for, they never really tried to explain what the nano thermite was there for because it would hardly blow the top off a rice pudding in in reality but it could create a tight incredibly intense shockwave within a tiny area which is that's all you need let let me ask you a question before i get back to prepping because i've got to do that because it is a prepping show and then i mean i mean this question right in light of everything that's happened in the last three years does september the 11th now become consigned to you know that kind of I don't know that that history yeah like that drawer where where where, where JFK's assassination is like it, it just doesn't matter anymore now is that possible or should we oh, still care about you, it and think about well, it and talk about it well it, it is kind of ancient history in a way now because um you know the flu d'etat was so much bigger than that wasn't it as a false flag you, yeah. yeah it, may, it makes it kind of you, you can think a bit more straight about it because it's got not quite so emotive. It seems kind of tiny now. By the way, when you were talking about prepping the other day, you were saying you've opened a can of worms. I thought, what, it's got that bad already? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> boom, boom. Cool yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. Can. yeah, absolutely. We'll be, right, we'll be I, eating I, crickets next month. But no, that's, um, yeah. that, that's really interesting, that. Genuinely well, anyway, really interesting. I, I better let you get on. All right. Lovely to good. meet you, Miles. Nice Thanks for the call, buddy. You. you too. Miles in Cornwall. Uh, great Cornwall today. We had Ian in Cornwall. Cornwall, uh, just before that. It's uh, the Richie Allen Show, Wednesday's programme, taking calls from uh, from everywhere and anywhere. Are you prepping? Have you begun prepping? Is it something you've been doing for a long time, is it? Is it something you've been doing um, for years? 
you just begun to do it, do you think it's crazy? Uh, we might have Jerry on the line. Hi, Jerry. No, we don't have Jerry. We'll try again in a moment. Jerry is there, but he can't hear me. Uh, let's have a look. Let's have a look. Who have we got now? It's a uh, mobile phone, I think, again. Caller, you're very welcome. Who am I speaking with? It's Jimmy. How you doing, Jimmy? Where are you calling from? I'm coming. From, I'm calling from uh, County Down here. From uh, County Down. Lovely to speak with you, Jimmy. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. So I'm a taxi, Jamie. By the way, Jamie. Excuse me. Sorry, Jamie. You're very welcome, sure, Jamie. It's the accent. It's the accent. Not at all. It's my bloody ears. I should have. <laughs> uh, I should have copped it. So, 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 what do you think? Prepping. Uh, are you doing it? Is it crazy? What do you think? Yeah. Well, I started off doing my degree in dietetics many years ago, and um, it was all about synthetics. So we were doing about antidepressants. We were doing about um, antibiotics. And what I found out was that everything comes from fungi and mushrooms. So I thought to myself, let's get back, let's get to the source. Um, and I started um, studying mycology. Um, so really, Richie, what I've been doing prepping now for about five years, really. Um, we do a bit of bushcraft and that as well. But there's so much um, sustenance out there with regards to mushrooms. People think it's hard and they're scared of it. Um, but when you go to learn about mushrooms, you learn about everything else. I mean, there's leaves out there like nettles. Nettle is the most nutritious plant on the planet, but people don't use them. I've um, heard so I've it, heard of people making soup from nettles. Yeah, we make nettle tea. Or tea even, leaves. yeah, tea, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, put it in your porridge. Very good for you. Um, but, um, yeah, Richie, we, we've been doing the prepping for quite some time now, and there's so much out there. I mean, Why, Jamie? Hang know. on, hang on. Why, five years yeah. ago, did something happen that made you think, right, we've got to do something? Well, about 2010, one of my lecturers told me about um, what was going on, really, with the government and so on, and I just got into that. And it was a fear of mine. Um, you know, where am I going to get food from? What's going to happen? You know, um, how do I get um, as nutritious? How do I get become as healthy as possible? Um, so, yeah, I just started looking into going back to source, and my development has been so, so good. Um, and do, so you grow, my, do you grow mushrooms, fungus, or fungus? Yes. Do you? Yes. Right. Yes. So what I would advise people to do at the minute is, is well, we're doing um, oyster, oyster mushroom logs. I, oyster mushroom logs. Logs, okay. I'm writing all this down, by the way. Go ahead. No problem. Yeah, we grow, I grow a lot of my own. Now, it can be complex to start off with, um, but people can just go and grab it. What's happened? Jamie's gone. Are you still there, Jamie? He's gone. I'm going to give him a second to see if he comes back. Are you there, Jamie? Oh Jesus! You you're to... back! You're back! You're back! You must have clicked them. Um, yeah. You must have clicked off your your mic by accident. Right, we we lost you at um, oyster mushroom logs. Everything after right. that we lost. So go back to that. So I mean, it's not complex. But it's complex the first part of it. But most homes now can buy in what's called mushroom spawn. Um, and if they buy it in, they can grow their mushrooms at home for themselves. It's a it's a food source. Um, but again, getting back to prepping. Prepping, prepping is good. Prepping is good. Um, but what happens if people come here and ramsack my house and I have to leave here? How am I going to survive? Right. What am I going to eat? So what's, so the, what's, my, what's the answer to that then? The, the, the security question? Foraging. They're going to have, people are going to have to learn how to forage. Um, there's many courses about there. Um, so, I mean, there's so much nutrition out there in the hedgerow itself, the berries, the blackberries. Um, and it's really feeds the human construct um, as well as it cures depression, cures anxiety. 
Um, a lot of these mushrooms as well, like the, the turkey tail mushroom it's called, anti-tumor, anti-coagulants, uh, they're, they're full of nutrition. Um, they've got things in them that's called beta-glucans, which again aid in building the immune system. Um, and clean, they actually clean chemotoxins and other to- heavy, toxic heavy loads from the body. Um, Jamie, is there, a, com- is there a civilization known about around the world that does focus a lot, a lot on, on, on mushrooms? That, yeah, um, um, go ahead. Lithuanian and Polish people, when I go out foraging, I don't see many people from Northern Ireland here out foraging, but when I'm out, I meet a lot of Lithuanian people. Us in the Western world are what we call mycophobes. We're scared of mushrooms. Well, I wouldn't be now. And I'm, look, I'm a city lad. I, would, I, I, I have a lot of time for mushrooms. I eat mushrooms when, when I can. Um, and I would buy them. But look, again, it would just be from, from a supermarket. But you're saying that basically on the edge of any town is, is, mm. is an abundance of forageable foods that people should be, you know, taking advantage of, Jamie. Yeah. I mean, you, they, know, they know how to identify a blackberry tree, blackberry trees or pick blackberries. The leaf itself as well is full of nutrition. Just make a tea with it. I mean, we use, do you know the sticky balls? You know them are when you go into the forest and these wee balls stick to you? Yeah, yeah, we, sticky backs we used to call them in Waterford, yeah. They're cleavers. Cleavers are very, very good for you as well. You pick them and they're young. Fully edible. We uh, make extractions and that with them as well, so we do. Can I just um, say something here now, Jamie? This sounds more medicinal than, say, sustenance, what you're describing. No, well, you have to add these things to for sustenance. So, I mean, you, you mean, and for nutrition. So, I mean, like a lot of these mushrooms you, you will be eating for, they've got a lot of sugars in them. There's right. a lot of polysaccharides. Um, so, again... It, it is well. What we're doing now is we dry them. So, like for example, I have one here called Jelly Ear. It's very, very easy to distinguish, and um, again, full of iron, seven times more iron than any meat you have on the market. But again, you have you will cook those alongside other products that you'll find outside, or say if you're growing, we are growing vegetables and stuff at, at home now. But these are to add to it, um, and again, they've been using it for many centuries. So it's, it's good fun too, getting kids out. Do you know, I, you took the words out of my mouth. I was just going to say that. It sounds like it's, a, you know, it, it's, it's an entertaining pursuit as much as it is a very important one. At the same time, you know, it, it, kind of enjoyable. We've got, say, about 90 seconds left. You, having begun this five years ago, you're convinced now that it was the right thing to do because of what we've been witnessing in, in recent years. Yeah, I've been ostracized by a lot because of because I wasn't into football and I was into like bushcraft and foraging. Um, a lot of people said, first, a fellow actually told me I wasn't a man because I did much football. And I was like, I'm out chopping logs here, wow. yeah. time for free. <laughs> building, building forts, um, rolling about in the muck. And getting back to Ian's thing when he was talking about the Wim Hof method in the water, that's balneotherapy. That's a brilliant therapy and will help people sustain their body temperature went on times of hard. So, for example, my, my, my wife, when I first met her, she was freezing all the time, Richie. Got her into the cold water. She's not as cold now anymore. She can sustain when we go out to the mountains a lot better. So, there, there's something uh, in this, because I mentioned Caroline's mum, and, you know, when, when, when you see the all-year-round bathing and the Christmas Day swimming, it generally mm-hmm. tends to be senior people doing it, doesn't it? Because they yeah. seem to know that it's the right thing to do. 
Yeah, yeah. We, I was actually, um, we actually had a bit of a party on the beach one night, and at half seven in the morning, these there was thirty old ladies down. They were called the Donega D Dunkers, and uh, there was another group of them, and there was not one of them under seventy. And they were out half seven in the morning swimming, freezing cold in September. Amazing that, yeah. I used to see the Christmas Day swims in Tremor. I used to report on them when I was doing radio there and to see these, you know, um, sometimes very senior men and women just wander into the absolute Baltic waters. And I'm, you know, I'm not a coward when it comes to the water. You know, I'd be a swimmer. I grew up in Waterford. I used to go uh, swimming all the time, Not, not just in the summer, but even I would be like, wow, they're brave to do that. But there's something else going on. I think you're 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 on the money. That's it for the shows. We've got on, we've got twenty seconds. If you want to add something quickly, Jamie, it's been brilliant speaking with you. Ferments, kombucha, things like that. You can keep they can keep um, other things like carrots for years as well. So they use them as a prebiotic. So like kombucha, apple cider vinegar. We can help sustain. It, it can actually help keep your food for longer. So I think getting back into the salt then back into the SARS and things like this. But yeah, we, we have to now, Richie, I'm 100%. It's going that way. People, the, it, it is hitting the fan now and we people are going to have to learn. There's a lot of people starting bushcraft and foraging up here in the north, which I've never seen before. Jamie, so, brilliant to speak with you, mate, in County Down. <laughs> thanks, for call, thanks for calling in. Jamie, folks, that's the end. Speak tomorrow at five. Bye now.